the Cathedral of Faith. Oh, God is good. And all the time. We're in this series called This Is Us. And we're thinking about this big idea of identity, who we are as a church family, but who we are as individuals. I mean, it's so important because when I know who I am, then I know what to do. And so this big idea of identity, you know, my, my wife is into this whole family history stuff, and, and I'm always a little bit nervous about digging too deep into family history because every family tree has a few fruits and a few nuts, amen? <laughs> but she loves doing that kind of stuff, and so she got me one of these kits, these Ancestry.com kits. And I don't know if you've seen that advertised, but the, the way it works is you spit into this little container, and then you seal it up, you send it in, and through DNA technology, what they do is they tell you all about your genetic roots. I mean, it's really an amazing world we live in. And so this thing just sat in the corner for a long time. I didn't do anything with it. And finally, I, I opened it up and I, I did what it said. I spit into the container. I sealed it up. I sent it in. And then they sent me the results of my DNA testing and told me all about my genetic roots. And when I opened up the, the email, here was the map that told me about myself. Now, 82% of my genetic roots, uh, they go back to England and Ireland and Scotland, that side of the pond. After that, whoa, talk about a real mixture. I mean, it ends up I'm a bit Spanish. I'm a bit French. <laughs> I'm a bit Middle Eastern. I'm a bit Southeast Asian. I'm a bit Russian, and of course, you knew that I was all Raider, amen? You already knew that. Didn't need a test to show you that. And so I have no idea what to wear next week to International Weekend, because basically I'm a mutt, amen? But it's fun to find out about our, our genetic roots, and I mean, next weekend, it really is one of my favorite weekends here at the church. You know, Easter and Christmas, and then there's International Week, and we celebrate what Jesus has done. It's what Jesus, only Jesus can do this, bringing all kinds of people together to worship him. Can we give God praise for our cathedral family? Amen. And yet, the most important thing about my life, the most important map that I have is not this map. Instead, it is this map. The Bible. The Bible tells me not just where I'm from, it tells me where I'm headed. It tells me not just about my genetic roots, it tells me about my spiritual roots. And when it comes to my identity, what is in here is even more important, that I am who God says I am. And last week, we saw that we have been chosen and adopted, we have been redeemed and forgiven, we have been sealed and signed by the Holy Spirit, that when it comes to, well, what side of town do we live on, the north, the south, the east, and the west, what side of town do we live on? We live on the, 
the blessed side of town. Amen. And I, it's the reality, the spiritual reality. This is who we are, the blessed side of town. Today, the big idea has to do with, well, that we are God's masterpiece. I mean, it's really an amazing, amazing thing. In fact, I'm going to invite you, wherever you're at on campus, out in the uh, amphitheater, the, the chapel, the, the lobby, the coffee shop, right here in the main building, if everybody would stand with me for just a moment, and we're going to read these scriptures out loud together, and boy, I pray that this will take hold of your heart today, because knowing who you are once I know who I am, then I know what to do. Let's read Ephesians 2, verse 10 together. Everybody, let's fill this place with the word of God. I invite you to join me. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And here's another translation of that. For we are his workmanship, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so that we may do them. And here's another translation. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Think about that. That God is an artist and you are the poem that he's writing. You're the canvas that he's painting. You're the movie that he's making. You're the song that he's composing. You're the tapestry that he's weaving. You're the, the sculpture that he's carving that you are his masterpiece, that God is an artist and God is at work in your life to turn you into his masterpiece. Now you may think to yourself, I don't know about that, Ken. I mean, this whole idea of that I'm a work of art, people have said I'm a piece of work, amen. <laughs> but this idea that I would be a work of art, God's work of art, well, friend, the most important thing about your life is not what others say about you. It's what God says about you. And God says that you are his work of art, that he's at work in your life creating a masterpiece, and that when we move into the studio, in fact, to help me with this big idea, I've asked Pastor Kent. He's our Gilroy campus pastor. How about a big hand for Pastor Kent? He's going to help me. We're going to team preach this today. Now, Pastor Kent, he picked up this hobby. He said he, you know, watched YouTube. You can learn anything on YouTube anymore. And so he watched YouTube and he saw how they make mosaics. And so he's going to work on a mosaic. It's only his second one. He's going to work on creating this while I preach about how God's at work in our lives, creating a masterpiece. And together, boy, we're praying that this idea takes hold of our hearts. Father, thank you so much for this moment in time. Thank you for all of these wonderful people. God, I know that one word about our identity 
can change our lives forever, starting today. God, we refuse to let the enemy tell us who we are and buy into his lies. We refuse to be held down by the words of others. Instead, God, I pray that today would be a breakthrough day for many of us and that we would hear what you say about us and we would begin to live toward that reality. We pray this in the matchless, marvelous name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Can we give God praise for who he is and what he does? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, before you're seated to drive this home, look at somebody and tell them, don't tell them they're a piece of work. (laughs) Tell them, hey, you are a work of art. Go ahead and do that. You are a work of art. It's a spiritual reality. You are a work of art. Kent, if you can help me out, could I borrow a piece of that tile? And as we talk about these points, you know, you can find them on your outline or you can follow along in Ephesians chapter two. Some powerful truth about who we are. First of all, I wanna talk about the move that we made. That at one point in time we were outside the studio, but now we are inside the studio. It's a very radical shift to be outside the studio and now we're inside the studio. In one place, the Bible says that this shift is like going from death to life, that God makes us alive. Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 5. That even when we were dead because of our sins, he made us what? Alive by what Christ did for us. Alive. Say that with me. Alive. The idea that we were dead. I mean, it's one thing to be out of shape. It's one thing to be a little sick. But this idea that spiritually we were dead, disconnected from God, disconnected from the life of God. When you dig a little deeper into Ephesians 2, you find out that we were spiritually dead, that we were following a dead-end path of sin and transgression, that we were being influenced by deadened powers by the world and the flesh and the devil, that we were headed toward a deadened future, that the wrath of God was hanging over our heads, that outside the studio, we were walking around, but spiritually, we were the original walking dead. But thanks be to God, because of Jesus God has made us alive. Hallelujah. He's made us alive. See, don't miss the big shift this is from outside the studio to inside the studio. I mean, it's a radical shift. It's not like going from cable to dish. It's not like going from being a Ford guy to being a Chevy guy. It's not like going from being a Dodger fan to a to a Raider or to a Giant fan. You know, instead, I mean, it's much more dramatic than that. I mean, when you're dead, you need more than self-help. 
When you're dead, you need more than self-improvement. When you're dead, what you need is a resurrection. And that's what God has given to us. Because of Jesus, God has given us resurrection and now we have life. We're connected to God, connected to the life of God. This is who we are. We are alive and it feels good to be alive. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. I'm alive. Say that with me. I'm alive. Wow. And then there's more. The Bible says not only are we alive, but we regain our authority. Outside the studio, we've lost our authority, but then inside the studio, Jesus restores our authority. There's a wonderful verse in Ephesians 2. It reads, God raised us up with him and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms. It's one of those verses you read and you know it's something good, but you're not sure what it's all about. Let me see if I can give us one idea. Up on the screen, you can see a picture of the Supreme Court. And when the Bible, or when, it, when, it, when someone, a justice has a seat on the Supreme Court, it doesn't mean that that justice is taking a break. It means when you have a seat on the Supreme Court, it means that you have a certain authority and that you exercise a certain authority from that seat. When the Bible talks about us being seated with Christ in the heavenlies, it's talking about a certain authority that we now have, that we can exercise a certain spiritual authority. I want to make sure you catch this because this can change this week for you. That when we were created, that God created us to rule and to reign with him, to rule and reign under him on this planet. And yet when we lost our way, we lost our authority. But when Jesus came, Jesus came to restore everything that we had lost. And what Jesus does is he restores our authority, and he shares his authority with us so that we can begin to rule and reign with him again. That means that we don't have to let the lies of the devil, well, have authority over us. We can take authority over those lies. Amen? We don't have to let the temptation of the devil have authority over us. We can take authority over the temptation of the devil. We don't have to let the power of the devil have authority over us. We can have authority over the power of the devil. The devil is under the feet of Jesus, and if we're seated with Jesus, that means the devil is under our feet as well. Hallelujah! Exercise your authority. Amen. Under my feet. Say that with me. Under my feet. You may want to stomp if you feel like stomping. Let's do it one more time. Everybody, under my feet. See, we can have a little more heaven on earth because Jesus has restored our authority. It's amazing. We're alive. We have spiritual authority, and still there's even more. 
the Bible says we go from living at the level of survival to living at the level of significance. Look at what it says in Ephesians 2. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we read it a moment ago. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Good things. Say that with me. Good things. Say it again. Good things. You can wake up tomorrow. Think about this. It's amazing. It will change your day. You can wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, I believe that you have good things for me to do today. You have prepared them for me. They're waiting for me. You have gifted me to do them. You have equipped me to do them. You have positioned me to do them. I have everything I need to do them. And really, I'm the only one that can do them. And so God, I am looking to you, I'm listening to you, and I can't wait to do those good things at school, at home, at gym, or at work. God, today I get to do what you have recreated me to do. It turns every day into a treasure hunt. It turns every day into an exciting adventure. We don't have to sleepwalk through the day. Every day is filled with more meaning and purpose. Instead of just trying to survive, I can live this day with a sense of significance. Can we give God praise? Amen. Talk about changing your day. Wow. When God moves us into the studio, we go from death to life and from lost authority to restored authority, and then from survival to every day becomes filled with significance. You realize who you are. See, you are God's work of art. Work of art, say that with me, work of art. You're God's work of art. You're his masterpiece. Now that brings us to, to the next part. Kent, could I have another piece of tile? Wow. This mosaic, I can't believe this is only your second mosaic. This is amazing. It really is. You're doing a great job, Kent. All right. Kent is, well, creating a masterpiece, and God's at work in your life creating a masterpiece. Now, I want to talk to you for a few moments about the way that we get from outside the studio to inside the studio, that it's by grace alone. Grace. Say that with me. Grace grace alone. The Bible says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Would you say that with me? It is a gift. Let's say it together. It is a gift. Say it one more time. It is a gift. Now, is anybody, last service we had somebody who had a birthday today. Anybody have a birthday today? Let me see, anybody at all? Uh, right over here, what, do we have somebody have a birthday? Anybody? Anybody at all? Oh, right back here, okay. Right over here, that's fantastic. I have a gift for you. It's your birthday, and we want to wish you happy birthday. Happy, would you stand for just a moment? That's awesome. Can I... 
can I get over here? Pastor Rupert, can I just squeeze by here? I'm going to get right in the middle of the chairs here. Okay. And what was your name? Isabel, it's so nice to meet you, and I have a birthday gift. How about a big hand for Isabel? Yeah, happy birthday. I would sing, but I don't want to ruin your birthday. Amen. So I just have a gift, and I want to give you this gift. Happy birthday. Now, Isabel, there's just one thing. You know, next weekend is International Weekend, and we need a lot of chairs set up out in the amphitheater. And so if you can meet me next weekend to help me put up those chairs. This gift is yours. You know, what do you think? Okay, that's awesome. Isn't she sweet? How about a big hand for Isabel? You know, but, but I want you to remember, Isabel, this is totally a gift, all right? No strings attached, all right? And, and you know, if you can, you know, there's just one more thing. You can have this gift, there's just one. You know, there, my yard is a mess. We have a big dog, an Irish wolfhound, and big dog, big mess. And my wife has been after me. You know how that goes. And so she wants me to clean up the yard. And so if you can help me to clean up my yard, you can have this gift. It is yours. What do you think, Isabel? Oh! You know, now what have I done? I have turned a gift into a paycheck. Can you see the difference? We all know what a gift is. You don't give a gift like that. It's a gift. No strings attached. And this really is a gift. Isabel, it's a gift. You just reach out and receive it. How about a big hand for Isabel? Happy birthday, Isabel. Thank you so much. Thank you. A gift. Say that with me. A gift. Now, I, I want to spend a little bit of time right here because the way we get inside the studio, it's not a paycheck, it's a gift. And the reason I want to spend a little time is there was a survey that was done not too long ago, and they asked a group of Christians, these are people of faith, they said, how do you get to heaven? 55% of them said the way you get to heaven is you do more good things then you do bad things. And there's a lot of folks that, that, you know, that's the way we think. If I, well, the good outweighs the bad. And yet here's the challenge that I see with that. You never know if it's good enough. I mean, how do you keep score? You know, when I'm good to my wife, how many points is that worth? When I'm mean to my wife, how many points do I lose? You know, when I, I'm driving and I help somebody with a flat tire, how many points do I gain? When I'm driving and I get mad and I give another driver the one-way sign, amen, <laughs> how many points do I lose? See? When, I, when I come to church, how many points is that worth? I'm in church, but if I fall asleep in church, how many points do I lose? <laughs> I, I heard about... One mom who was driving to church with her little girl, and she was, you know, she said to her, now, why is it important to, to be quiet in church? And the little girl said, because people are sleeping. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so the challenge with trying to keep score is you never know if enough is enough. And then the Bible comes along 
And it talks about grace and it says salvation is not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done. And that grace, well, if it's something you could earn, then it wouldn't be grace because grace is the unmerited favor of God. And when it comes to salvation, all we can do in faith is receive it. We're not saved because we are good. We are saved because God is good. We're not saved because of what we do. We're saved because of what Jesus has done. That is what grace is all about. And can I tell you that this is the one difference. I mean, there's so many world religions. The, the main difference between Christianity and all the different world religions, everybody's got a holy book, and most religions believe in an afterlife. But the main difference has to do with this idea of grace right here. See, in every other major world religion, the way that you get to heaven, it's all about what you do. In Buddhism, there's the eightfold path. And in Hinduism, there's karma. And in Islam, there's the code of law. And in Judaism, there's the Mosaic law. Only in Christianity... And the grace of God, do we see, it's not about what you do, but it's about what Jesus has done for you. Amen. Oh, let's give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. See, Jesus comes from heaven to earth, and he lives the perfect life that you and I, we could not live. And then he dies the death that we deserve to die. And when we put our faith and trust in what he's done, that is the way that we move into the studio. And when you understand that it's all about grace, it's not about us, it's all about grace. It's grace alone. Then you can see, well, the Bible says it's not based on anything you've done. No one can brag about earning it. And you realize then, your life is marked by humility and gratitude because of what God has done. I heard about this woodpecker, and he's working on this tree, right? And all of a sudden, a bolt of lightning comes and strikes the tree, splits that tree right in two. The woodpecker, he flies away, and he looks back at that tree that's been split in two, and he pulls back his feathers, and he says, look what I did. When you understand grace, you don't walk around saying, look what I did. You walk around saying, look what Jesus has done for me. Look at what he did. I am what I am. I am where I am. It's all because of him. And there's gratitude and there's humility. Friend, I encourage you, receive his grace. Live in his grace. Enjoy his grace. Celebrate his grace. In fact, can we take just a moment and can we give God praise for his amazing grace? God, thank you. We are where we are. Hallelujah. Wow, we are God's work of art, masterpiece. Say that with me, masterpiece. Look at somebody and tell them, you're a work of art. Go ahead, you're a work of art. You're not a piece of work, you're a work of art. And boy, this 
projects, Mosaic that Kent's working on. This is really turning out cool, man. Uh, you guys want to see it? Yeah. Well, you got to wait till the end of the sermon. I'm almost done. <laughs> and it's, it's really cool. Here's the last, the last thing I want to talk about is how in the studio, God is at work on us, turning our mess. Could I borrow another broken tile? Into his masterpiece. Somebody needs to hear that this weekend. I, I saw this thing that happened on the Today Show. Watch the screens. Don't you hate when this happens? Back now with something I think everybody finds pretty interesting. We're kind of scratching our heads over this. This base, or vase, as David Gregory says, well, is worth yeah. $1.2 million. $1.2 million dollars for this dog? So one of our stagehands is going to bring it over and tell us why it's so Great valuable and why it's I'm here in New York City right now. Where do they find this thing? Where do they you find know how, it? Well, you know how they find, like, the Declaration of Independence yeah. in the garage? Yeah, it's up here. Yeah, well, this thing was all... Oh, oh, don't you hate when that happens? I mean, here, all those broken pieces. But, but there's someone here this week, and you're thinking, you know, can that, that sounds great. You know, like God is turning me into masterpiece, but you don't know my life. There's so much brokenness. My life is so shattered. Friend, when God takes us into the studio, God can take our mess and turn it into his masterpiece. This is what we celebrate, the good news of the gospel. There, there's this show, uh, my wife and I watched it this week, it's called Strange Inheritance. And there were these brothers that were selling, well, it was gonna have an auction on their parents' estate. And so they hired the experts to come in, this was in the States, and you know, there's, there's these experts, and what they're doing is they go through all the items and they appraise them and then they take it to an auction and you know they have an auction and people bid on the stuff and so they looked at this painting this painting was stuck it was up on a dinette a little dinette next to those old thermostats and they couldn't tell you know there was nothing remarkable about the painting no markings on it so the experts said this painting right over here they said it would probably go for about 800 bucks you know, stuck on a wall in the kitchen. And so the day of the auction comes and people start bidding and it starts at $250 and then it goes up to $800. That's where they had appraised it. And then it goes beyond $800. And now they're getting phone calls from Germany and France. People are bidding on this painting right here. And eventually the bidding goes up and up and up. And this painting is sold for $1.1 million. It turns out that it was a Rembrandt that he had done when he was young, but nobody knew. The experts in the room didn't know. The family didn't know. And now, I mean, this thing was stuck in the kitchen. And now here it is traveling around the world, being displayed in the greatest galleries that exist. Something even more remarkable is happening with you and me. Catch this. That God is at work on us. 
We look at ourselves and we may feel like we're stuck on the kitchen, on the wall, next to that old thermostat. But let me tell you what God's ultimate plan is for us. That God is at work creating a masterpiece that he is going to display us in the galleries of the universe for eternity so that people can see the amazing artist that he is. Look at what it says in Ephesians 2, verses 6 and 7. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, for eternity, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. What an amazing thought that God is creating a masterpiece in you that will be on display for eternity so that people can see what an amazing artist and creator God is so they can see the riches of his kindness and his grace displayed in us. Do you know who you are? You have eternal significance today. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, and he can take whatever mess that is and turn it into a masterpiece that is displayed in eternity as an example of his great work. I was thinking about one young man who, back in 2008, his life was just a broken mess. Talk about a mess. It was shattered, it was broken, and he was in despair, battling with suicidal thoughts. When you feel like there's no way forward, Man, it can be easy to start thinking, I just need to check out. And yet he was driving right by the church, and for some reason, for some reason, he ends up pulling into the church parking lot. It's during the week. He comes in to the office, wants to talk to one of the pastors. After a while, he meets with the pastor, and he started a spiritual journey, turned his life over to Jesus. And Jesus started to take those broken pieces, take that mess, turn it into a masterpiece. And that young man is Pastor Kent, who is now the Gilroy campus pastor. Can we give God praise? Amen. Amen. No matter how broken your life is, See, as God put things together and Kent began to discover the good things that God had prepared in advance for him to do, one of those good things was being the campus pastor at Gilroy. And last, well, just a couple weeks ago, they celebrated their second anniversary. Can we give God praise? Two years. Way to go, Gilroy. Last weekend, four people were baptized, came to Jesus. Can we give God praise? Amen. Down there in Gilroy, people getting saved. And then they just started up another branch of our special needs ministries through the roof, special needs ministries for kids at that campus. It's got the cathedral DNA. Let's give God praise again. Hallelujah. And then Kent, what he did, well, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, he brought in this mosaic. It wasn't finished yet, but he showed it to the staff. And I was so impressed. I thought, this is more than a gift to the staff. This is a gift to our church family. 
So I want to go ahead and do the reveal if we can. I mean, it's his second mosaic. It's pretty amazing. He created a mosaic of our founding pastor, my dad. And it really is amazing to see what God has done through Kent. How Kent took all these broken pieces and created this work of art. And what Kent did right here is what God is doing in you. He'll take the broken pieces of your life. My dad used to sing a song, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. No matter how broken you are today, if you'll take the broken pieces and you bring them to God, he can create a masterpiece that will be displayed in the galleries of heaven forever. Do you know who you are? Do you know who he is? Bow your heads with me for just a moment. Jessica is going to come out and, and seal the sermon with a song. Before she does, I want to ask a question. Wherever you're at on campus, if you'd say, hey, Pastor Ken, just being real, just being honest, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I know about Jesus. I've heard about Jesus. But I've never stepped across the line and in faith received his grace. And today can be your day. God gives you the grace and to step across that line. And today is your day. You'd say, Pastor Ken, today's my day. I want to move into the studio by the grace of God. I just want to agree with you that this is your day. If you're making a decision to become a follower of Jesus, would you lift up your hand real high? And I want to agree with you that today is your day. Right over here, God bless you, right here. Right over here, God bless you, God bless you. Today's your day. Becoming a follower of Jesus, right back here. From outside the studio to inside the studio, alive, authority, significance. Wow. God, thank you so much for those today who are making a decision to become followers of Jesus. All heaven rejoices at this moment. And I pray for all of us, God, that we would know who we are. There are so many forces at work. God, there are lies that the enemy brings to us. There are things that are said on social media. God, we, we want to have an identity that is rooted in truth. And we find that truth in your word. And I pray today that we would know who we are, that we are beautiful because we belong to Jesus. And you were at work taking our mess and turning it into a masterpiece. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory, all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's give God praise, amen. <laughs> Jessica, come on out. And she's gonna seal this sermon with a beautiful song.
Jessica. Oh, I know who I am. I am who God says I am. I'm not a piece of work. I'm a work of art. Amen. Oh, everybody stand with me, please. 
Why, I just, you know, go with that truth in your spirit. Masterpiece, say that with me. Masterpiece, own it for you. How God is at work. When the enemy shows up and tells you, you're a loser, you have no future, you look back at the enemy and you say, you know what, I know who I am. I am who God says I am. I'm a winner because of Jesus, amen. And I have a great future ahead of me. I am God's masterpiece. Own that today.